Welcome to Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Valerie, her guests, and callers. Now here's your host, Valerie Kirkgaard. This is for you. This is for you and me. And who we see when we see each other. This is for all. This is for all. The time you tried to find your sister or your brother, and you're not crazy anymore. You've been waiting at the door, and it's time to open. Oh, it is so time to open. Hey, you're listening to Waking Up in America. Good morning, you American state nationals. You. We're doing dynamic radio dialogues brought to you by Key Media, happily200.hghbreakthrough.com, braggg.com, happily200.com, theconingcompany.com, Sir Jason Winter T, drvalerie.com, and Dr. is all spelled out. The Body Can and Jason on Hair, our global audience, is growing and growing and growing. We love it. Thank you for all the assistance in circulating the shows. Please. Go on over to the website, pick shows that you like, and send them out to your friends. There's no charge for it. Uh, we're, we're happy to do that. We've had a lot of amazing people here on Waking Up in America. And um, as I mentioned before, this is our 31st year on radio. So, hey, wow. Congratulations, Waking Up in America. Congratulations, America. And thank you to all the people that have helped make this possible in the past. Now, one of the things that we do here is we uh, we create awareness of how things actually are rather than how we're told that they are. And one of the ways that this really shows up is, is in the legal system. And in the legal system, there are just, just, just so much overwhelming corruption uh, that's been perpetrated into our laws by various companies and individuals of clout over the years that you've got to go through and wade through it. If you want to be a legal beagle and take classes and form groups and start questioning the laws, hey, check the legal codes. It may be, quotes legal, but are they moral? And that's what's really important here. Uh, before the show, Ron Hayes was talking about the 5G towers, and the 5G towers are supposed to have the capacity to fry us. Now, maybe they're legal. But are they moral? And, and frying us means all our electronic equipment, probably hunks of our brain, all different kinds of things. If you take a look, if you go in and take a look at what happens to the brain, you guys are on computers, and, and uh, put in what happens to my brain when I'm talking on a cell phone, you can actually see your brain heating up. So I don't hold cell phones around my head uh, very often. Uh, and you don't want to do it for any length of time if you need to do it because you're actually changing your brain in ways that aren't what you really want them to be. So what can I say? Just be looking around. You can let us know. You can write me at val at wakingupinamerica.com, and that's V-A-L at wakingupinamerica.com. Uh, Randy, what's your Twitter? Uh, Twitter. Sure, twitter.com forward slash Randy Shannon, Randy, R-A-N-D-I, S-A-N-N-O-N. During the shows, and even if you're listening to the show on a replay, you can still still tweet Randy 
okay, if something comes up for you. We want more interaction from our audience. So we know that we've got well over a half a million people listening to this show, and you guys are quiet, man, you're quiet. I give away money. I've given away money in the past. Out of 600, 700,000 people, I got like two people that requested the money. Now, I don't know if somebody needs to send you a postage stamp or what it's going to do to get you in action, but when you hear a, a generous offer, you know, consider it. For instance, um, Randy's going to be um, introducing me to you in a different way than you know me. Uh, she'll be interviewing me today, and I'm going to offer you a, a complimentary session of uh, directed breath. If I were you, I'd take it. <laughs> so if you happen to hear a telephone ringing or a dog barking or an angel humming or an ET singing, we actually call in from our homes and offices around the galaxy to create this program. And Jesus spoke in Aramaic and in the Lord's Prayer. Pray means to go out and get that which is yours. Well, one of the reasons you don't do that, uh, you don't get which is yours, is because you are actually, yeah, you, I'm talking to you, you're actually suffering from things in the past that are molding your relationships and your communications with the world, and you don't even realize that you think you're in the present moment. But a lot of times if we have emotional challenges um, that have been, we've, we've either been environmentally um, reprogrammed or we've, been, we've had charges passed along to us in our DNA, whatever it is, if you're feeling like it's not the real you, this would be the time to take advantage of a complimentary session, which is done by telephone, okay? Nobody's going to come and get you. Um, you just call up by telephone and you make an appointment, okay? So that's an option for you. Uh, let's see. What else here should we talk about today? Oh, yeah. We should talk about the possibility of living to be 200 years old. And if you cringed when I said living to be 200 years old, uncringe yourself. Because what I'm talking about is a 200-year-old person, possibly, in, a, in an amazing place in the world who feels fully expressed, is happy, is um, generous, is forgiven, all these this baggage that we've carried around for centuries while we're living ourse liberating ourselves from the cabal, uh, we should be liberating ourselves as well from our own past traumas. So, hey, that's the possibility today. And we're a nation structured in Christian values. So if you're having trouble with the Ten Commandments, and I know some, of them are, some people are right now, um, practice living them daily. There's, I have never in my whole life, Randy, seen as much hatred going on as I see going on in the United States right now. Any comments on that? Yeah, I, I don't really understand it. You know, you and I have had some conversations and just in people that, uh, you know, have been making some comments about Donald Trump. I mean, just blasting him and you can give him all the facts in the world, like real reality. And they just are just so built on the false news that's out there. And it's, it's you know, you just got to stay strong through it because this guy, this president that we have is, he's just sensational. I mean, I know that people don't like some of his tweets or whatever. And, you know, I just, I personally don't get into all of that. I think he's genius. I think he lays out things. I think he plants seeds. 
And, you know, sometimes he puts distractions over here so that he can get some business done over there. And, you know, before the show started, we were talking about just the 5G, for example, you were mentioning that as you went live. Um, Yes, it has the ability to do some really bad things to our body. And somebody mentioned, well, maybe Trump doesn't know about it, President Trump. And the thing is, is, yes, he does. This is probably the only president of my lifetime that's been willing to admit that he's aware of all of these things. He talks about Kennedy. He talks about uh, all of the information that's been suppressed when it comes to the remedies in health and, um, you know, 9-11. And just, he knows. This guy makes it his mission to know everything about everything, whereas all the past administrations would be in denial about, oh, I wasn't aware, oh, I wasn't aware. Really? Do you have a pulse on the nation that you have been, you know, apparently elected to lead? This guy knows it all, and it's impressive. And the thing about the 5G network, just going back to that one, it's already up and running in Southern California. 5G is basically in a, it's a wireless extension cord and there are prototype drones that are being powered by energized microwaves with a receiver in the, in a power inverter do i understand all that no but here's what you can say i don't know what you just said but it sounded I, impressive <laughs> it did right so here's the thing the bottom line is is too much of this electricity in this wireless uh, uh energy that's going out there makes us sick I have physically been tested with every kind of light bulb on me, every kind of uh, electricity blast, and at the end of the day of all of those tests, I was absolutely nauseated. I wanted to throw up. I needed to throw up. I was just physically ill from too much electricity, and, and it was a, these were planned tests. So, you know, I voluntarily put myself through this, and I was hurting at the end of the day, and it was the whole point of how to understand that this does harm our bodies. And, um, you know, it's definitely something to, to be aware of. Alex Jones, who has Infowars.com, some believe him, some don't. He gets some things wrong. He gets a lot of things right. Uh, that's just how it goes when you're in media. You get fed some in- disinformation. And he knows it's bad. He has spoke out about it. And he's done whole shows on it. So this 5G thing is, is not a good thing. And, you know, it's... If it ends up going off without a hitch, just like the smart meters on all the homes, it's a scary thing. I don't know how anyone will ever get healthy again. The smart meters in the homes did not go off without a hitch. (laughs) Well, there was a lot of fighters, but it just still seems like they have won. Well, yes and no. Um, First of all, they told me that to get solar on my house, I had to sign up and get a smart meter. And I said that I'm not getting solar. So guess what? They found out a way to get me solar without a smart meter. You got lucky. You were one of the lucky ones because most people, I mean, the number Luck. one reason for fire a few years ago was the first year that the, the smart meters were going on the homes. I don't know what it is now, but, you know, those things were burning houses down. Well, they're still probably burning houses. Well, anyway, that's a show all of its own. Um <laughs> Right. The point is, is that we've got stuff thrown at us from every direction. A lot of people are very frightened of President Trump. One of the uh, reasons that I'm offering what I'm um, going to be offering today after Randy and I have a conversation about all the different things that I'm up to as well as being a, a talk show host 
is because a lot of this uh, fear-mongering has been designed to make you frightened. You're being designed to be terrified. Uh, you're being fed information that, that would frighten ordinary people. We've got some very intelligent people on this planet that are raving idiots right now because uh, they're so scared. And we've got people like Maxine Waters actually fanning flames and bringing up terror in people and, um, you know, inciting people to riot and things of that nature. Uh, if she hasn't been censured by Congress, I'm sure that even though we have a divided Congress, that somebody's going to censure Maxine, and I think it may already have happened. Uh, I don't. I, I heard a rumor, and it's only a rumor because I haven't had a chance to check it out, uh, that she's actually being asked to resign from Congress. I got my fingers crossed. Uh, originally, I thought I had met Maxine, and she had seemed kind of very cool and intelligent the day I met her. And so I had been telling Randy that as far as I was concerned, there was a time when Maxine was sane, but it doesn't look like that's true, actually, Randy. It turns out that she was, like, part of Flaming the Watts riots. So, or Rodney, Rodney King's, the Rodney King riots. So, Maxine, I don't know what you think your job is. And, and I, I said, it's unfortunate that you're black, actually. Uh, because most of the black people I know um, don't talk like you, and I'm a, I'm concerned that people will think that you're like that because you're black, and I, I think you're like that because you, you're 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 fighting for something that you don't know how to get in any other way, and that you're a very very angry woman. And um, I'm glad I met you on a day when I thought you were so cool, because obviously there's a cool side to you, but. What you're doing right now in Maxine, it's, it ain't cool. So, um, Randy, from there, um, it's your turn now. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to see how you operate as an interviewer. <laughs> well, good. Well, we kind of changed topic up right as we were going uh, to start. But, you know, Val, I've known you for about seven years now, and... Um, you know, you wow me in so many ways. I'll, I'll see some of your things that uh, you write to people, just the kindness or the calmness and the demeanor that you have. Um, you know, one person in particular that's, you know, really tearing up Donald Trump, and she's famous. Her father is, is very famous, and um, you're having these conversations with her, and I just, I, I get wowed when I look at, your responses to someone who's so out of control. Um, and, and so I'm impressed with it. And so you have a lot of things going on. You have the coning company, you have uh, the directed breath, and, you know, then you have, you started waking up in America. But, you know, we're going to get to those things. But what I really want to know is what were you like as a little kid? Where did this all start? <laughs> 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 that's very funny. That's a that's a great question. <laughs> you asked my mother. My mother would say, "Sweetheart, you were a handful." Uh, from the earliest age, Randy, I could take guff. Uh, I'll call it guff, G U F F, for a while, but um, <laughs> not for too long. At a certain point, I felt the need to speak up and. Uh, a couple of the most dramatic ones that I can think of at the moment, which define what a kid, what kind of a kid I was, 
Uh, one of them would be, uh, I'm in Canada, I'm sitting at the dinner table, and uh, it's 1943, okay? And we're having dinner, and they want me to eat the spinach. And I don't want the spinach. Okay, now mind you, these are reasonable parental requests, but not any that I was ex- accepting, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, and I'm sitting there with my grandmom, my grandfather, and uh, the whole family, and I don't want to eat the spinach. And I, there's other things I didn't like. I also didn't care for lima beans at the time, and I also was never a fan of cauliflower. So... Uh, they're doing this whole trip on me about how there's children in Europe starving. In those days, we made little boxes when we were in school to send to the people in Europe with cookies and toothpaste in them and stuff like that. And at that time, I got um, a nickel a week allowance because so, I was three. I don't know where I spent my nickel, but I had it. <laughs> That's cute. I was, I was listening to this conversation night after night after night. And finally, I thought, I'm not doing this anymore. I got my nickel. I went to the dinner table, and I knew they were going to start up again on the kids in Europe. I slammed my nickel down on the table, told them to take this food, pack it up, and send it to Europe. And here was the postage. Got up and said, I'm going to my room before you send to me. Um, I'm not eating this stuff. And left my nickel on the table and went into my room. Oh, they must have been cracking up to themselves. Well, let me tell you something. I never had to listen to that conversation again. I believe it. And I was three. So, already, you know. (laughs) And then my mom, I guess, I don't know. I'm sure I irritated her in various ways. And my mom came from a family, Randy, in which they had 12 children and they managed, it seems that one of the members of the family, by the way, a very wealthy, very cultured family, but there was somebody in the family that knew how to crack a bullwhip. And so they oh, wow. snap a bullwhip to kids' attention, okay? And uh, with the 12 kids and the bullwhip snapping, <laughs> let's just say that my mother didn't have a bullwhip. What she had was a lesser generational thing of that. She had a, she had a switch. And she, when she'd want to chastise me, she couldn't catch me, but she'd chase me with a switch and I could outrun her. And I would Mm -hmm. hide and stuff like that uh, because we were expected to do what we were told. And we were, it was quite clear about that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I only got spanked once. But um, when my dad was spanking me, he was crying. And I I told him that it was okay. He could spank me and that I didn't need, that you know, he didn't have to cry because I knew mom had told him to do it. And uh, it's okay, dad, you know. And he ended up Mm -hmm. crying. So there's a point at which I just have to speak, and the, the, I'll mention two more quickly, Randy, because when children do these things that upset you so much, perhaps they're demonstrating courage, and it's made me the person that I am today. I'm, I can be bold when it's required, okay? Mm-hmm. Only bold when it's required. But my favorite, my favorite one of all was in the Episcopal Church where... Every week in the Episcopal Church, I actually was trained in um, science of mind too. Fortunately, and the Episcopal Church was, by the way, was a, a wonderful church to be in. I, I loved the the pastor, 
Father Nobes. Every week they would tell us that we weren't good enough to pick up the crumbs under God's table. More oh, wow. Enough. Okay, and I was, I think at that time I'm eight. <laughs> so I stayed That was up. impactful. <laughs> that place is packed. It's St. Augustine's um, Episcopal Church. I'm like seven or eight years old, and they've been doing this. Every, I sit there, and I listen to it every dying week. And finally, I stood up, and I like, always like to sit up in the front. I've always been that way. So I'm sitting up in like the first three rows. I stand up on the church pew, <laughs> and I say, Father Nobes, I don't really know a lot in this world. I'm not old enough to know a lot yet, but one thing I know is is I'm good enough to pick up crumbs under anybody's table Oh, in this room. Okay, so I don't need to stay here if you think I'm not good enough to pick up under crumbs from under the table. So and I got down and started out the church, walking down the aisle, headed out. And the Father Nobs got down from the podium, came running after me and said, we'll talk more about this later. You don't really understand what's going on here, and I get your position. Please come back. And so I did. Wow. That must, that was, what it, what was, the church was packed and they witnessed that, so what happened? I came back and sat down and people just kind of looked at me in amazement, but a lot, there were an awful lot of smiles. And they were probably grown adults sitting there saying, yeah, I wish I had had her guts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if they paid attention to it, because part of the rhetoric that we use on a regular basis, Randy, we just, we <laughs> say things that we've been trained to say, and, and... They probably they may not have even noticed it. It's part mm-hmm. of the it's part of the, the the dialogue. It's part of the transcript of what happens when you go to church. Across across the street, there was the Reverend Pearl Lady Moore, who um, I just loved her. I, I, I can see this whole interview is going to be on what kind of a kid I was because the Reverend Pearl Lady Moore is where I. Uh, I went every Sunday for um, 51 weeks, and I was going to get my Bible. And um, my parents wanted to go on vacation, and, and I told them that I wasn't going on vacation because I had to go to church and get my Bible, and I locked myself in my bedroom and refused to go on vacation. Huh. I was church all by myself. I didn't care if they went on vacation. They were welcome to go. I could feed myself. I was going to get my Bible. So my mom had to call up the the, um, the Sunday school teacher to, to say what I had told him, and the Sunday school teacher agreed to give me my Bible anyway, so I agreed to go on vacation. And that was that. <laughs> Good. So it all worked out. <laughs> yeah, it so does. It works out when you, when you just take a stand about what's true for you. And you may not get agreement. I mean, they were there was plenty of unhappiness going around that I could behave, be behaving that way, but they were clear I wasn't coming out of the bedroom. Wow. And so let's let's fast ahead. forward a little bit. You know what? What actually? You know that was you as a little kid. Then as you grew, and you started to, you know, we we start to take on the world in different ways and we change in different ways. And when you're 20, you're definitely not the same person at 30 and 40 and 50. So, you know, fast forward, give us just a couple of details, bullet points of things that were, you know, incredible moments in your life. Well, 
<clears throat> meaningful? Well, I was terrified, okay, of people um, okay. Uh, of being. There's there's reasons from my past that I was terrified, but I was terrified of being seen and doing public speaking. So one of the things that I did was actually sign up for public speaking classes, and I used to like throw up and shake and do all that kinds of stuff. So when I actually got up and could do public speaking without being terrified, those would be moments. I remember actually doing one um, for a bunch of uh, a speech for uh, a whole lot of gay men, incredible human beings these these guys are, and uh, the audience was so large that I was I was I was just nervous about it, and somebody said make friends, and so I did. I went and I. I shook hands with somebody in the audience so that I could become connected with the audience. And, and the whole thing about shifting that, that fear that I had about public speaking by meeting the audience was a real turnaround moment for me because it had occurred to me that I just needed to connect with the people, not to be afraid of them. So uh, and I put that out there uh, now in this time for, for the energy that's here on the planet. If you could connect with what President Trump is actually doing, uh, whether you like all of his mannerisms or his, his strategies or things of that nature, he's a patriot that loves America. And during the time that he's been here, Randy, we have um, Walter Reed Hospital where soldiers are getting respected for the first time. That whole thing is being cleaned out. We have um, the lowest rates of, of um, unemployment amongst women, blacks, and Mexican-Americans that have ever existed in this country. And this is like in a year and a half that this has been happening. We've Which got, tells you it could be done. It's just other Yeah, it wasn't being done that. because it wasn't part of the plan. And that's what you guys have to hear. The plan was to take down America and to destroy it. And, and Trump is in prophecy, for God's sakes. I've gone back and I've looked at early interviews of him. He was talking about being uh, how he didn't want to be president, but he would if he had to, and he looked like he was about 25 at the time. So he knew. Everybody knew. And the hatred, the blankets of hatred that have been stirred up, I don't even blame all the people that are raging. They're being, You guys are being manipulated by masters. George Soros, go Google him. Google, country George Soros has taken down, and he prides himself, Randy. He totally prides himself on, mm-hmm. uh, on how he can take one agitator and stir up a 1,000 people. You're being stirred up with a guy. You put together the hurricanes, and you see what Americans are really like or the disasters we pulled together. And he can't, Soros can't get in the middle of that, okay? But he's got so many people on the take he's so rich and he's been so successful I mean that's what we have to watch out for we have to watch out for our emotions being triggered from the past okay Mm -hmm. one of the things that I started to discover I remember Randy at seven or eight years old asking myself why is our family different than other families and why are why do other families laugh more? We were very well brought up. We wore white gloves, and well, I knew that a fork had to be an inch and a half from the edge of the table, and knew how to set a perfect table, and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But other people, I we'd go to the beach sometimes, and I'd hear other people laughing, and I hardly ever heard our family laugh. And and I realized at 
at an early age that this was um, had to do with the conversations of what we were talking about. We were being with each other. I, I figured that out, and I went, oh, I wonder how you affect that. Hmm. I started investigating that, and I, by the time I was like, hmm, I think by the time I was 10, I had read Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> How many, is that one book or is that a bunch of books? Cause I, I don't even that. remember, but I mean, uh, no, probably like seven or eight of them. Mm, because he okay. Five big stories, major novels, and about 32 shorter stories. Something like, I hadn't read all of them. I probably read seven or eight of them, Paul. Conan uh, Doyle was a physician. <laughs> but right now we're having an interview, Paul. So um, I appreciate your two cents, but... Uh, we have a plan here, so we need to carry that out. Well, I hope so. <laughs> Back to you, Randy. <laughs> okay, so, you know, you went on, and, you know, I remember a few years ago I told you about a book called U.S. History, 1492 to Present. And it's uh, no, book. that is the most awful book, the most wonderful <laughs> book I'll ever read. It's just terrible. And you, you told me <laughs> when you... When you read that, you said, I was a history major, and that just undid my entire education. And, I, and I've never forgotten you, you saying that. I mean, the, it was real close to the words. And, you know, so there was a little bit of disillusion about some of the things that you had learned. Well, and there's depth of detail, okay? Exactly. And that's one of the things. As a history major, you're told who the winners and losers of the war are, and... Uh, every time I see the Christopher Continental Cross Continental Highway, it makes me want to throw up because Christopher Columbus was an evil man that just helped decimate the God. I think there were something like ten millions of Indians in the United States when those guys came over, and by the time they got done uh, and their lineage got done, there were about a hundred thousand left. And the way that the slaves were brought over, like sardines. Uh, and the bodies were thrown into the ocean, and it was just like, that. that's why I had trouble with um, Trump's campaign speech of Make America Great Again, because I wasn't sure when it was great. Because of the foundation. So, you know, over the years of your life, you, you've had this, You've had your thoughts, and then they get changed a little bit, and, and we get, you know, our eyes opened up. You know, what? give us your background of your schooling. What is your schooling? Because, you know, your, your bio says Ph.D., so tell, tell us your schooling. What's your background? Well, I have an honorary Ph.D. in transpersonal psychology. I went to Goddard College in Vermont, and I did their, um, I, I did their, I don't know what the right word for it is, but a location program for, for Goddard, and I wrote a master's degree on um, called Breakfast at Bob's. And this master's degree was about, you know, how people transform. And I was told at the time it would be a good book and such. I read it. <laughs> I can tell that I was very angry now at the time I wrote this. Uh, you can tell that I'm upset about a lot of things, but I was told it was a brilliant book. Um, I graduated from uh, UCLA with a uh, degree in counseling and history. Those were my things. I went to Goddard College. But I'd have to say that my um, formal education would be all the seminars that I've taken. I've taken over 100 seminars. I'm, I'm profoundly influenced by the work of Werner Erhard and so grateful for 
um, the landmark education, you have no idea. I also did a lot of landmark uh, insight training seminars with John Roger. The work of these men has been profound. There are other people uh, that have been profound. Waking Up in America was actually a project for, for landmark education in 1987. Uh, the fact that I've been able to keep this radio show on air when, uh, when we've had money and when we haven't had money is a miracle uh, that I attribute to, to Landmark. I was a Course in Miracles teacher for three years, uh, which is very profound stuff, uh, available to all of you. Marianne Williamson gives seminars in this all the time. I had the opportunity through these seminars to meet and become friends with some of the coolest humans on the planet, Marianne Williamson being one of them. Um, I've had the privilege of all the guests. I've been educated by the guests that have come on Waking Up in America. Uh, but uh, reading that book that you were referring to, you will find out what a bunch of buggers the, pol- the politicians have been in this country since the get-go. We did have great times. We created the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence, and we fought for that, and we won that. But then I come to find out we may not have won as much we thought we had won, you know? <laughs> maybe we're still paying, maybe, I'm not sure for sure, but maybe we're still paying homage to the Queen when I don't think the Queen needs our homage nor deserves it, if we are. It's just questions that haven't been answered for me, but directions that I'm headed into, Randy, so I appreciate the question. Yes, 100, well, go ahead. I'm just saying 100-plus seminars. That's really, a lot of seminars. Including the fact that I have used um, ayahuasca. Uh, you guys may want to look that up. It's a, as a, it's a, I don't know what the right word, a formula from the Amazon basin used to um, create very aware hunters and, and tribal leaders. And uh, ayahuasca is really powerful stuff. And I do this stuff. I don't just go do it. I do it with consciousness. I also was um, cleared through um, LSD, lab LSD in uh, San Francisco about 25 years ago. I've had a lot of processes done. uh, That one was eight hours with lab LSD at 2,000 units. I spent um, time in this. I found out later it was Scientology, but I went to a program called Health Med where I had myself um, cleared uh, of toxins in my body. One of the flashbacks I remember, Randy, is being in the sauna and all of a sudden flashing back to the orange orchard, orchards when I was in Santa Paula. And I remember the dress I was wearing. I could see it. And they were spraying the orange trees, okay? And that memory actually came out as a horrible stench came out of my body because I had actually been affected by those chemicals that they were spraying on the trees and didn't know it till I was in the sauna. It was a as I said, the program was called HealthNet. It was profound. I was <laughs> total test on everything, okay? You know, mm-hmm. eyesight, uh, cardiovascular, MMPI, psychological tests. They gave us a huge barrage of tests, which was fabulous. I went into that program with an IQ in the, one, in the low 130s, and I came out of that program with an IQ in the... High 140s. Okay, we're talking 30 days here. We're talking, I didn't get any education. What I got was toxins removed from my body, and I got a 10-point increase in my IQ. Uh, I got 30% increase in peripheral vision. 
I got all kinds of amazing stuff from the health med program. Uh, turns out that they were members of Scientology. I didn't know that. They weren't trying to program me. I didn't have to go through any of that. I was just simply getting toxins out of my body. And let me tell you something. When you look at the world with a 147 or, or 145 or wherever I ended up, I don't recall. I just remember it was somewhere in the 140s. Everything looks different because they gave us the test afterwards too, Randy. It was like when I was doing the IQ test, I went, oh, that's what they wanted. That's what 10 points gave me. Wow. Pardon? That was just taking the toxins out of my body. It took 30 days. Then I ended up going to the South Pacific with my friends, and we were partying down there, and they had just shot up an A-bomb blast on a little atoll south of um, Tahiti, and we all got sick. Okay. So when we came home, I went back to health med again, and when I walked in the door and they looked at me and they said, <laughs> where did you get radiation poisoning, they said. When I walked through the darn door. So I spent another week or two getting the radiation poisoning out of my system, and you should have seen what happened in the sun. It's like I turned like bright red. And it was the radiation poisoning being taken out of me, and thank God I did that. You know, I have to say that my friends that didn't do that aren't the same people that I knew before we went to Tahiti. They're cool people still, but they weren't as cool as they were before they got that radiation dose. So that's why my ears really perk up when I hear about 5D and all the other stuff that's going on, Randy. Because uh, I I hang out in the mountains of um, I hang out in the mountains. I'll just say that I don't really need to have people coming to visit. Uh, I hang out in the mountains, and this is one of the reasons I hang out here is to protect myself from what's going on in this world. Yeah, there's a lot of things out of control. So, is that where you learned how to do what you call the directed breath? Oh, that was funny because first of all, I did. <laughs> First of all, I did a bunch of seminars when it was asked, uh, right? And then Werner Earhart sold the the company. He was going through a bunch of stuff. He he sold the company for like a dollar to his trainers, and it became the landmark forum. The name changed. So I attended the last S training and the last S seven day, which is a physical experience of being put through terrorizing things, you know, rappelling from cliffs, hanging upside down, ripcording, jumping, running a mile every day, all kinds of stuff. It was powerful stuff. I don't know anybody that does that kind of stuff anymore. And I mm -hmm. had some transformational breakthroughs just surviving all of the things that they set up. It's like when you clear a fear, like when the people that are so frightened and so angry right now clear it, you're actually going to have a bunch of love bunnies because the, the anger and the fear and the terror and the things of that nature that come up are from our programming. And I've discovered a way to get into that, and I discovered it uh, when I was sitting in the, the last S training, and then I took the first forum afterwards because I wanted to see how it would change, and I loved what was happening. And one of the exercises that they had us do was to be aware of the people that were sitting next to us and let ourselves be terrified feel the terror that we felt in the room. And it was really interesting because people started crying and shaking and all kinds of stuff 
The truth of the matter is we're afraid of each other. When we put on good <laughs> good shows, uh, we aren't really real with a lot of people because we've got programming and fears that we have. And I'm sitting there and they're talking about Wilhelm Reich and his orgone box and body sensations and things of that nature. And that's when I realized that trauma was stored as a body sensation. I was like, wow, that's really something. They can keep triggering us. They're doing it here in the seminar. They're triggering us into recognizing that we're terrified of, of certain situations. And I thought, if we can be triggered, what if we could remove the thing that they were triggering? How on earth would we do that? Well, Will White's work actually gave me an idea of how you could clear some of this trauma. And the uh, and as I started to experiment it with it, I was just thinking about how would you actually access the traumas inside the human body. So at that time, I was re-roofing my house in um, up in Mount Washington, and a piece of wood fell off the roof, and it went past my face, and I felt this kind of like shock that went through my body as the wood fell past my face, and I recognized it as the same body sensation that I experienced when I was on the freeway, the Pasadena freeway. I was driving to Pasadena, and I was in my 280ZX. I always liked good cars. <laughs> and I look in the rearview mirror, Randy, and I see this car barreling towards me when, without stopping. You know, like he wasn't slowing down, and I'm stopped on the freeway. I put my foot on the gas, I ripped out of there, and I went down, and that car crashed into the car that was in front of me. And I had that same sensation on my face that I had when the piece of wood fell off. So I went, oh. So this isn't just to an incident. This is anything that reminds me of this incident causes this body sensation on the side of my face. It was a close call is what it was. You know, the Mm -hmm. wood almost hit me. And the accident, I almost got creamed. Like, I would have been killed if I hadn't just seen that and shot right out of there. And it was like, okay, so it has to do with being threatened. Okay, so how do you get these different things that come up that have to do with people's different issues? And then I thought, why don't you just ask them? And so I did. And what I asked them was, huh, so that body sensation you had in your face, how old are you the first time you could remember that feeling? How old are you and what's happening? And they go, well, see, in my case, (laughs) that had to do with mom chasing me with a switch. And I hid under the sandbox in Canada so she couldn't reach me with a switch. But that little switch got me a couple of times. She'd go for the back of right behind my knees. She couldn't catch me, so the switch was a good extension. Once I cleared that, a whole bunch of stuff opened up for me because these body sensations that we're trapped with that are monitoring and shaping our behavior are are old programs. They're old programs of things that you're afraid of. And that's how I started to figure it out. So I I had a full practice. I'd been working with people. I did my 3,000 hours. That's what you have to do to be a marriage family child counselor. And I was real frustrated at how fast, how just how how fast everything could go, and it wasn't for people, okay? Because they were stuck mm-hmm. in these literally behavioral loops. And so I started asking. Now I had 28 people in my private practice, and in a private practice, 
you want there's a cathexis and catharsis, and cathexis is when you hold on to something like a shock, like if I go boo, Randy, and then you have a shock. Uh, that's cathexis, okay? So you mm-hmm. you get startled, or PTSD would be an example of cathexis, and PTSD is post traumatic shock, okay? So people have seen horrible things, and they don't have to be soldiers to have seen them. Children of alcoholic families see horrible things uh, and experience horrible things. Um, people that have been brutalized. In my case, I had a satanic grandfather who um, actually, actually, with his friends, and I was hiding down under the staircase at three, um, actually sacrificed somebody down there in the basement. Mm-hmm. We left Canada in the middle of the night when I was three because it was, I believe, I've been told since that they were actually planning on sacrificing me and my parents, of course, didn't want that. So we left Canada in the middle of the night and I always thought we were in witness protection. We came from one of the richest families on the planet and we ended up with my father selling vacuum cleaners and, um, you know, building stuff with things left over from surplus. Um, Army-Navy stores. We built a room addition made out of um, boxes and, <laughs> you know, wooden boxes and wooden cots, things like that. Dad did a great job, but it was like I never understood until years later why we didn't have all the stuff that we used to have in Canada. We didn't because we went into basically witness protection. Mm. Wow, that's quite a quite a circle and a chain of events in your life must have been yeah, well, it was really funny because in Canada <clears throat> there were a lot of electrical storms and that's how I happened to be hiding in the basement actually I would, I would hide it I was afraid and I thought it was God I was very <laughs> very impressed with God okay mm-hmm. so when the elect- electrical storms would happen I would like either go hide under the staircase in the cellar in Vancouver or I would go into the closet and close the door, and the electrical storms were, like, so intense that you would actually see the light coming under the closet door as it illuminated the inside of the house and stuff. And it was like, oh, God, I was terrified. And then I had reason to be when I was, um, what I saw down in the basement, which I honestly did not recall any of that for years, Randy. Uh, mm-hmm. I knew that I had something strange had happened because I remember my grandmother being... I remember my grandfather lying on the couch uh, at, at at their home, and I remember him looking really bad and going through something, and my, my grandmother said he's having a heart attack, and I said, good, and I was had my arms crossed, and I was mm. looking at him, and that memory of saying good that my grandfather was having a heart attack, it became my portal into finding out what happened because I couldn't figure out why a four-year-old or a three-year-old would be say good when their grandfather was dying. Right. And yeah, that's, that's all I said was normal. good. Well, so, you know, we're running out of time, so I want to make sure on the directed breath that, you know, you get out all of the information that you want on that. And I'm, I know you want to share that with people, so how does that work? Well, here's what you would do, and I'm going to give you a telephone number to call. I'm going to tell you to call 310-455-8623. That's 310-455-8623. I, 
I live in California. That's a time zone. That's um, we're 7:53 right now in the morning. So I don't know where you are as you're listening. And I have a commitment. Um, I've helped people all over the world: uh, Japan, China, England, France, the Caribbean, Australia. You name it, they call. And when you let go of something that's significant, when you let go of something that's really significant, uh, your life changes. You actually, when you're traumatized, you actually remain emotionally the age of the trauma in that particular area. So if you had something abuse going on when you were five, or let's say that somebody said something to you that you didn't like, and it reminds you of President Trump, for instance, your response may be from that of a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, a 20-year-old, or whatever, because you are the age of wherever the trauma was fixated, Randy. And when you clear it, all of a sudden you have a different response pattern. You have different power. Um, there, are, there are other children that were like me in the world, okay? One little girl who told a grandfather who was sexually molesting her that he had to sleep sometimes, and if she didn't, if he didn't, uh, if he didn't stay awake, and he went to sleep, that if he ever touched her again, she would slit his throat. And guess what? He never touched her again. So that's an immediate problem inside of a convoluted reality. But here's the deal: when you do the clearing emotionally, and by the way, I used other things to clear emotionally, including a magnosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do seminars every single solitary year because I want the best of me and I want you to have the best of you and I want you to give this a try this is a complimentary appointment, there's no charge for it if you choose to continue that's great, there is a charge for that if you don't choose to continue you may have a life changing experience in one single session so that's what I want you to know should I be putting anything else in there dear? I think it's perfect. You know, you're wanting to help people change their lives. And you're putting it out there that you'll do a complimentary session. I mean, that's that's perfect. And you've had a lady, you know, it, let's talk about one of your people. She's been coming to you for how long? 20 years. And 20 years. And then how is, you know, what what made her come? We only have a few minutes. But what made her come and what has been her experience? <laughs> I, I would I would put her on the air, except you would identify her, and that's not done. We don't talk about you know basically what people have gone through, but she has she has a very unique situation, and what what I call myself is an optimizer. What happens when you actually work with somebody over a period of time? You actually, as they clear their trauma, they actually optimize their future, and this is a very famous lady who has been getting. Um, she makes better choices because we, we clear something. Whenever she gets confused about something and she doesn't know what to do, and it, because her world is so big, it happens. Um, I work with her two to three to four times a week, depending upon what's on her schedule, uh, and she doesn't know how to make choices and things like that. We just clear the incidences that actually stop her from choosing. They, usually people are hung up in doubt. Like, should I do this or should I do, shouldn't I do that? There's actually an authentic action for you to take, it, and it will be revealed to you as soon as you take away the things that distort your perception of reality and 
um, make you choose for an earlier age. And sometimes that DNA information <clears throat> that's actually disturbing you, okay? And so in this case, a lot of hers was inherited, and that, I'm glad you brought that up, and that's why it's been mm-hmm. so significant. And we've just gotten the two-minute signal from um, <laughs> from our announcer. So uh, any last thing you want to say? Just, you know, obviously you've got this great background. Uh, we, Your show, and I've been blessed to be with you for about the last seven years, your show is the longest running, is it in the entire... Uh, Albuquerque market or with this network or how did how does that go? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know that until you said it this morning. Yes, um, waking up in America. For those that are listening, I, I'm just going to say it's in the Albuquerque market, but for sure on the the network you have. And congratulations on that. The longest running show huh. on the network. <laughs> And I, I was That's so only 10 proud. years on there, okay? <laughs> Voice America, if we're going to run around and give people compliments, we have to give Voice America a huge compliment because the Voice America actually allows us to um, give you all of these shows. And Jess Bernard and um, Nathan Jett, these guys are giants when it comes to helping people. And, uh, uh, and John Young, Totally Gospel in New York, uh, there's people working for us. Yes, we broadcast in Albuquerque, but where we are presented is in the, on the entire planet. We have like two lists in the Ukraine. I think it's just too much fun. I love you guys in the Ukraine. Thank you. And to the person who actually sent me your um, word is your command, if you could get in touch with me, I, I listen to all those videos, those tapes. And I want to sign up, but I need the invitation, and I don't know who you are that sent me that. So if you would, if you would invite me, I would so appreciate it because I do want to become a member of that group. There's white Illuminati folks, and they're all over the place. You're hearing about the dark side and the cabal. Well, be of good cheer because the white hats are here. You <laughs> should call the program that, but the white hats are here. <laughs> and you're not crazy anymore. Thank you for joining us today for Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. Waking Up in America can be heard live every Wednesday on voiceamerica.com and Valerie welcomes all emails at heavenincorporated.com. This is for all you knew, pouring through, now your heart is open.